Well, lads, you are listening to Cody's Pod, where I share some of my own stories and experiences, as well as some of my guests on this podcast as we all continue on our sporting journeys. Thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoy. Well, lads, and welcome to another episode of Coley's Pod. This week on the podcast, I have another guest. This week's guest is silver medalist in the National Time Trial Championships, Kevin McCambridge. Kevin, welcome to the pod. Thanks very much. How are things? Ah, not too bad now. And how's everything with yourself at the moment? Yeah, all good. I'm just getting over a bit of sickness there. But yeah, I think everything's back on track. So I hope everything from now on is all good. So it's good to get all the sickness out of the road. Just trying to get back into the flow of everything again with training. Has your training load decreased yeah. coming back from sickness? Uh, oh, well, this is my second day on the bike and today we did five and a half, but we didn't plan on doing five and a half, but it was just my coach followed me in the car and when I started to get a bit of fatigue, uh, I just pulled in and got on the car We drove home. But the last last week I've been stuck in a hotel with, with COVID and uh, oh, being stuck uh, with four walls around you is not, not good in the head, but yeah, I was so happy to get outdoors. Oh, I'd say just... The app, seeing something besides a, a wall and being out in France and the nice sunny weather and just seeing the scenery, I'd say there's nothing better like it now. Yeah, exactly. In my hotel room, I had like the perfect view of the mountains and everything. It was just, oh man. And you could see cyclists going past the window and everything. Uh, it's horrendous. Oh, it's uh, nothing worse. It's almost like they're taunting you. Yeah, yeah exactly. But uh, I, was, I had the indoor trainer, but the maximum I was doing was 30 minutes. Ah, like COVID didn't take any symptoms of me. Like, when I was not on the bike, but when I was on the bike, I just felt horrendous, like no energy, no legs, no nothing. But see, when I was off the bike, you would swear I didn't have anything wrong with me. Yeah, it's um, it's amazing how it affects different people, but it's great that you're over it now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but I think it's just when you get over to over 65, it's a different story. Uh, like the body doesn't react the same way it used to. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But yeah, I'm happy to be over it now. This year, you moved out to France and... Um... How are you finding that? How's the culture shock from uh, normally Ireland, I suppose? Yeah, it's okay. It's, uh, it's like a lot to get used to. You get used to a new team, new new bike, new food, new coaches, a lot of things to adapt to. But yeah, it's, I've been here almost three months and now, just now I'm starting to settle in. It's, yeah, it's a lot to get used to. And uh, also the French racing is a lot different. But French amateur racing, <laughs> everyone has the potential to be pro for sure. And everyone's so strong. But like, you think, I thought coming to France, the races would be like, yeah, big long climbs and stuff. Well, which will come in later in the season, but we're now at the short classic kind of races and cobbles and yeah, just one minute full gas out of nowhere. It's a great experience. It's like, um, it's basically being in a classic race itself. Is the racing style much different to Irish racing? Yeah, for sure. 100%. It's like, position is crucial here in France. It's like, if you're not in position, you're not making the front split. Uh, yeah, and position, the hardest part I find off the racing is not the, the physical side, it's more the technical side. So you need to, you need to be clued into the race. You need to know what's happening at all times. Like the hardest part about the racing is staying focused for three, four hours. Would you be like wrecking the races now beforehand? Would you get to drive the course or would you get like a tip off of what it is and look at the gradients and things? Yeah, like, a lot of the guys from the year before have raced, raced the race you do, you know, and they will give you little tips, tips and hints of like who won last year, how he won, and like what goes down in previous years, you know. But like in France, I always find the break will go really early on. The group sets up, chill, everyone start a wee chat, you know, and then 
the team to go to the front and then it's full gas. Serious stuff, but I suppose it's, um, are you adapting to the racing well? Have you found it suits you in any way? So like, I've been really suffering with the, so like on the, on the climbs, I'm strong, but they're really like, it's not, you know the pro racing you see on TV where teams sit on the front, it's that steady tempo. But like on the climbs, it's you attack, 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 easy, attack, easy. So like now I'm trying to work on my training that like, Hard, easy, hard, easy. Because at home I was more used to just sitting in that tempo, hard tempo all day. So it's now trying to adapt. It's hard to explain. I hope you get it. <laughs> yeah, it's just um, you're not used to the stop starty effortness effort. Um, yeah, being a time trial yeah, specialist, yeah, I suppose. Um, you're used to just your sustained effort. So I suppose that thing of going into threshold, non-threshold, threshold, non-threshold, but the body will adapt. Yeah, exactly. It's just like jumping across the wheels and stuff. It takes a toll on you towards the top of the climb. As the races go on, you'll get only get stronger and stronger. Yeah, for sure. And like, I think, yeah, it's really early in the season. Like, it's uh, the middle of March, isn't it? And uh, I'm on, I'm on my seventh race day already, so I still have a lot of time. So I want to ask you, how did like this cycling journey begin? Well, my uncle had a, a road bike. You know, like the retro ones. It's like the shifters are on the top shoe, and uh, I like I was playing hurling at the time, and. and uh, yeah, I thought this would be a good way to help my training, help the aerobic side of hurling. And uh, he would go out on a Sunday with the local club. And yeah, I just, I love the look of the bike, the, the funky looking handlebars. And uh, <laughs> I just thought it would be cool to ride. And then my mum and dad got me one for Christmas. And uh, I spent, I, I quit the hurling. I spent so much time on it. Like, I'd go out in the morning, I'd tell mum I'd be home by dark. <laughs> I just spent all day on my bike. Oh, it was so good. And then how did racing come about? Like- so I rode for like two years without, ah, maybe one, one and a half years without racing. And then I joined the Balmoney Cycling Club, which was not too far from me. And then, yeah, I wasn't the strongest, <laughs> strongest when I was here. Like, I think I would last maybe two laps and then get blown out the back. So like every race, every race, I would get a little bit stronger, a little bit stronger. Yeah, that's how I started. I joined the Balmoney Cycling Club, did like the cyclic sport that was my first ever race actually pj logan eric Lister. eric Lister was my first stage race it's uh it's uh, <laughs> you, you probably wrote it yourself yeah yeah it's um it's as a first stage race it's kind of a baptism of fire if anything yeah i know i'm so afraid as well like <laughs> you're sitting on the start line and it's like your first uh phase that's from kind of all over there was like africans there and english riders and uh, yeah about and riders, that- so the field was big and then it's the corral system of like everyone's like you're just waiting there like for 30 minutes with the anticipation of everyone. And then as soon as they leave people like line up for the start, you have everyone like rushing out, cyclocross like yeah, mounting yeah. their bikes or rolling them up. I know it's like yeah, it's like everyone thought you had to be on that first row to to take to take part in the race, which was true in some races. But like now when you set a race, like you're having enough cruising to the back, you know, and then making your way up. But just racing was just full gas. I think it was especially on one of the stages where it's um it's a giant down like descent and then suddenly there's a, a big swoop and left turn. The first stage, yeah. yeah. And all all uh, you hear, all you smell is just rubber of burning brake blocks as everyone like slides in. And crashes, just bikes getting <laughs> cut into. But um, no, it was good. I so it was my, that was my first stage race and yeah, it was <laughs> it was a good way to start. It's a great experience, um, especially with just I suppose like. 
when you're inexperienced and you're jumping into such a big field at an early age in ways like it's it's just great for learning especially now like the races and you're going to in france as fields as big as that yeah exactly exactly like for, like example the, the area you yes, there like uh it suited me well because like there was a lot of riders so which made it a lot harder so it suited me like i think my first year i finished third overall and like that was my first race even finishing the top 30 and yeah it's Oh, I was I was over the moon, and then I was even more afraid on the second stage because I knew I was up there, and then ah, so afraid. But that was good. it's great to learn yeah. from those experiences. Yeah, like for sure, it benefits me now as well. Like you, as a junior, I used to be really afraid on the start line. I used to get nervous for the races, but now you just show up. It's like you sort of know what's going to unfold in the race. You know what to expect you know how to ride in the group very true your rise now your cycling has very much seemed like something like it's very much trust the process i remember seeing you when i'd say you were under 15 and you were slowly getting each year you were slowly getting better and better and then second year junior you really just you won the national time trial champs you meddled in the national road race you really you know you peaked can you give us a talk about like your opinion on that consistency yeah it was actually after i watched remco and Vinipol. When the World Championships the year before, I don't. I just give me ah, just like a bit of motivation that like this could be something I'd be interested in doing because <laughs> it's the way it just rides off from people. It just looks fun. But uh, that year was my first year I left school. I went to college, so every morning I would commute to and from college to like one hour and a half in the morning and then one hour home in the evening. And just doing that all winter, I got I got so strong. Every month I'd see new numbers strength but I would never do many efforts it was just right in right out every morning and then I come into the season my first race was to the John Haldian A3 favorite race to date <laughs> for sure uh yeah and then I felt really strong my, my first ever win was my second year junior yeah so just then um, I guess it was the extra volume of training like had you trained much beforehand consistency wise or yeah yeah like I had, I had a good winter it's just as I said, that to and from college and then a good long weekend and stuff. And then throughout the year with a lot of good racing, you just progress a lot. Like it's my first year racing on racing outside of the country. Also, when you learn a lot of experience from that, like I spent uh, the summer in Belgium oh, and I came back, you were just clued in on racing because you're racing three times a week and you're just forcing it into yourself to know how to race. Uh, for, yeah, for sure. Like if... If you're a junior, I definitely recommend you go to Belgium. It's the best experience. No better way to learn about racing than to simply just throw yourself into races. Exactly, exactly. Because you, you, in Belgium, the, everyone's strong. Like, you'll not get anyone that's... Like, the group that starts the race is the group that finishes the races, most likely. And uh, you just learn how it works. You learn how to corner with the best table, learn how to move up the bunch, ride the crosswinds, sprint. <laughs> For me, <laughs> that was a big thing. <laughs> I find in Ireland, it's, uh, it's very easy just you look at like who looks pro at the start line or you can see it in races. And then in Belgium, it's very much like everyone looks the same. And that's yeah. the, prob- that's the yeah. problem. Like Exactly. And like there was some people on like rocking up in Dogma F12s and they, they, like, they weren't anywhere to be seen, you know. But like the person on say the Trek 1.2 just <laughs> wins a bunch sprint out of nowhere, you know. Oh, it's just, it's the purity of racing. It's it's not about the bike at all, lads. It's about the rider. Yeah, it just, it just shows you what, like, like what a good bike actually does. Not as much as you think. It's all mental. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's all, all, all mental and training, you know? 
Port of Rookie Pen is the result. True that, true that. So um, you've recently started a blog while out in France, which I must say is a very good read for anyone who's listening in. But um, I'm just wondering, would you ever think of taking up journalism after you're done? Or, you know, if you're riding a stage race like Nicholas Roach with the independent teaming up and doing something like that, would you ever be interested in that? Uh, I'll take what comes at me, but for uh, the vlog, it was just more for, for me personally. Like, like I, I have a, a personal one too, which is pen on paper. I just like like to write down stuff and write down, like even notes from the day to day, what I need to do tomorrow and stuff like that. And now I started writing down, the blog was to write down how I feel in training and what's going on in life and stuff I can look back on and reflect. So it was more for me, but now I put, uh, pushed a few to Facebook and everyone seems to like them. So I pushed it a few more. So yeah, maybe someday it could be something good. <laughs> Certainly is something nice to just look back on when I suppose all said and done in the career and you're an M4, you're a washed up M40. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There won't be much crack in the blog then. <laughs> just complaining about juniors. Yeah. <laughs> oh, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I hope, I hope by then, uh, like the Ireland have learned that A3 and juniors shouldn't go together. <laughs> Put an old man that works nine to five, seven days a week with a young fella who's nothing better than ride a bike. It's just. Yeah. Like, I know it's like off school for the summer, train full time, and you get the the bloke that works from nine to five. It's not fair. I must say though, there's a lot you can actually learn from a trees riding a bunch. Like a lot of them are very experienced. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Like I enjoyed the a two race and it was good, but then it got to the point where you you needed to be a one to get the hard hard racing for like say the Europeans World Championships. You need it more more almost intensity in the bunch to make the races harder because like going from A3 to to World Championships is a very very big jump even the Junior Tour of Ireland is just a huge jump from A3 and you rode two Junior Tour of Ireland's one as a first year and then second year with the Irish team and you podiumed you came second overall you know how much did you learn from that kind of hard experience the first year was it a big shock and then you know talk us through the second year of the fight to fight for the podium yeah it's like my first year i rode it with cycling ulster and uh it was it was a good race it was like it was more for me just getting around each day in the bunch and maybe if i feel good i could do something but yeah my first year i learned a lot which i took on to my second year actually like you knew the stages you knew the climbs and stuff because the stages were the same just without the tt and uh, yeah, I, the second year I thought, oh, it's not going to be good for me. There's no TT. But yeah, like every day I just, I just, I just did a one k flyer from the finish every day, <laughs> just to try to get some time bonuses and stuff. And then like if it's on, if if you get a stage race in Ireland, it's always going to be hard and like the dead Irish roads. And like some of the Americans could come over and I shot to them as well. Yeah, if you go to the well up north, it's okay. But if you go down to the south, like every road feels like a false flat. Yeah, hard racing for sure, but it's good racing. I find them um, with the Americans, the biggest thing they find is um, they go out in the road and the first stage is always carnage, and then they realize there's cars on the other side of the road and the roads aren't closed. Yeah, 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 no, I remember this actually. Like, ah, like, it took a few stages for everybody to sort of adapt. Like, the first three stages was always carnage. Like, it was mad with crashes. I'm surprised it got through two years without a crash. It was crazy. And, uh, like, you'd be going down some descents. You, 
did you do uh, on your first on your first year? I did on my first year as well. Yeah. Do you remember the descent on like stage four? It was like a gravel descent. Pure oh, gravel. The cliffs and mower stage. That was on. That was on. And then I did it the year after. And it's the same. <laughs> I thought by by then the gravel would have sunk it. I remember that yeah, day I punctured, and they gave me neutral gave me a wheel, and they gave me this wheel with like the bearings hanging out, and it was about a nineteen mil tire, so I had no front brake going down that stage onto the sense in the oh. back of a car. Oh man, oh be hectic. Oh yeah, that's the thing. And like some of the Americans would freak out as that, freak out at that as well because they're used to like the proper smooth tire descent as well. So that's where we had a bit of advantage there. <laughs> How did you find the tactics then? I remember um, I was following you on Sticky Bottle and through Sean Rose photos, and I remember it was the stage Nathan Keown took yellow. That you was it you Tom Moriarty and Nathan ended up in the break and really driving it, and that's what got you the podium position. Yeah, so that was. That was the question of Mohar's stage, I think. Yeah, yeah and uh, it was the breakaway went from the gun, actually. It started off as 12 people, and then it shrank down to six. And then we heard that Nathan was in virtual yellow. So, yeah, me and Finlay, me and Finlay were left on the front because no one would work with us because they, oh, yeah, no, I remember the Hotchubs car came up the side of the break and told uh, Hotchubs not to work. And then, of course, none of the other teams worked as well, so it was just me and Finlay going full gas in the front for the last 50k. And then, yeah, Nathan took yellow that stage. And then, yeah, it was good. I mean, we thought for sure he could hold on to it. But unfortunately, you know, racing sometimes luck doesn't work out on your side. And then I, I was always the backup uh, for the yellow jersey. So I, I tried to take it on the last stage when, when Nathan had a bit of a bad day. But unfortunately, the Americans were a bit strong. Yeah, you just, you went all in on Gallows Hill. I remember hearing that you were away and things and then just come, come uh, I in. Did, just... I, I've never finished the stages to play it in all my life. I just like, oh, I just knew I had to get, like, say, this gap here and there. Because it was, it was, this year it was done on points. The year I did it was done on points. And I knew the guy was also in my group. He was a better sprinter than me. So I knew I had to get rid of him. Uh, what's his name? He won it. Uh, he's an African rider, but I knew if it came to a sprint finish, he was going to take me. So I just had to take everything to get him away. But unfortunately, yeah, he just, I predicted he would win the sprint, and he did. <laughs> oh, I was I was dead proud the day um, you came second overall in the Junior Tour of Ireland because when you were a first year junior, you bet me by one place in Gallows Hill, and um, ah yeah. <laughs> I I remember trying to come up the right of you and you realised I was on your right side so you just like dropped another gear and you passed them you bet me up the finish oh yeah sorry about that I'd like to say openly on this podcast that that gave Kevin all the drive he needed to become national time trial champion <laughs> the next year for sure I, I can send you on the way that I just had to go uh, but no I, I, I think I'd put, put Probably one of my favourite races as well, Junior Tour. Just good racing. Oh, it is great. And it's a pity, like, the juniors, like, hopefully they'll get a Junior Tour of Ireland this year. Like, it's just it's just an amazing yeah, experience on your own doorstep. Exactly, exactly. And, like, look at all the past winners of the Junior Tour. Like, uh, yeah, they're all, look at them all now. They're all in the World Tour. Goes to show. It's looking good for you anyway, podiuming on it. 
yeah, I'll take my chances. <laughs> so second year junior, you were on the Nicholas Roche performance team. And suppose you went from being on the Nicholas Roche performance team to actually beating Nicholas Roach in the time trial the following year and then attacking him almost in the road race, like and being right in the mix. Like how does that feel from like someone who's I suppose a bit of bit of a sporting hero, like being on his team and then suddenly you're there dropping two gears, looking him in the eye and going, Good luck and attacking. <laughs> Yeah, because Roach is Del's the one of my favourite cyclists. I just, I like the way like he races, how he gets on. And, and then I remember in the road race, it was it was us two, but we, we were away for a lap. And then uh, I gripped him across to us. And I just remember sitting with his way. I was like, man, <laughs> like this is, I'm sitting on the way of my sporting hero right now. But that was crazy. But I, de- I definitely saw, saw the back of him when he attacked us. <laughs> On the final climb, uh, that was I just didn't have the legs to follow. But yeah, it was a great experience to race with someone at such a high level. I suppose it's just surreal, like the whole thing going full circle. When you know, you said you started off where just I'll see you like and when it gets dark, like to your mother and probably sprinting down the road thinking you were Nicholas Roach or things like that to finally be racing. Yeah, it's just... exactly. Like you'd be watching him on the tour and you would think, ah, someday I, I want to be riding with with, with Roach. You know, but yeah, it was great. And like, uh, I think next year, the Nationals will be good. You get like Sam Bennett, Ryan Mullen also as well, which will be good fun. Eddie Dunbar, you know, if that's if, if Kobe gets better and stuff, then Kobe does. That's the amazing thing about just pro cycling in general. Like, it's just, you know, if you were playing soccer, you couldn't go on a pitch and play Ronaldo. But in pro cycling, your heroes, you know, once a year in Nationals, they come down and you get to race with some of the world's best. Ah, it's insane. Yeah, it's crazy. Like, it was, it was an experience of a lifetime and an experience I hope to do again <laughs> at some point in my career. But yeah, yeah, it was good anyway. I think, I think the Nationals this year are in Inster. It's, it's probably going to be Hilly one again. Ah, uh, they always, Irish road racing, it always just seems to be like, it's like every race director is like, and then we put a big hill here. <laughs> yeah, like the director. Like that's why the races are always so hard because the director doesn't race. You'd just be like, "Yeah, we'll send them up this, <laughs> we'll do that," you know. But the Irish Championships is a race the strongest guy will always win. Like such a hard race, it's like no team tactics, you know. Everyone's for themselves, and strongest guy will for sure always win. Like this year, Ben Heaty definitely deserved that, hundred percent. Just rode off from the start and was never seen again. It's just amazing with the actual like the road, national road race champs is just the distance is so much longer, so. With that, you can't call anything like Ben Healy being in an early break. Some look at that and go, "What's he? He's out of his mind." At the beginning, I watched him go, and I was like, "Yeah, this is great. <laughs> he's gonna blow, <laughs> and I'm gonna take the other 23." But <laughs> he didn't blow. <laughs> the just, last uh, two laps, I was just waiting to waiting to see him again, but we, we never saw him. That's just it. Sometimes you gotta go with your racing instinct. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Risk it for a chocolate biscuit. Eh? <laughs> Very true. So, um, what's next in the cycling career? What's the hopes? So, the hopes uh, next year. Uh, we'll see how it goes anyway. But this year, I'm riding with Exxon Provence, which is uh, a, a Division One French team. So, we do all the French Cups, a lot of UCIs in the year. Uh, but this year, I think I'm getting like 35, 45 race days, which going from two last year is a really big jump, you know, so. Yeah, I think it's gonna be it's gonna be good anyway. And if I'm gonna if I have the ability to get the results, I'll get them because it's all the opportunities. So I think I think I'm I think I'm in a good place right now. Sounds to me in 35 races and 40. Geez, like that's that sounds exciting. I'd say you're raring to go after the drought from last year. It's, 
be honest, it's almost too much. Like every week, you're, tra- you're traveling five, six hours in a minivan. It, it does take a toll on you. And I think it's also the reason why I came down with a lot of sickness. I think all the traveling and you're like, I'm, I currently mix with a lot of people as well. I stay in this, uh, I race with Exxon Provence and then I stay in the team, just stay with Team Delco in the team house, which also, so you're constantly mixing with a lot of people and which is not, not great for the health. No, just um, traveling too takes its toll, especially like when. I suppose you're trying to be so as lean as possible. Like the immune system isn't as strong as most lads. Yeah. At the beginning, like when I came to the front, I was like, right, I need to get lean. I need to be back to 56 kilos again. But then like two weeks, well, that lasted two weeks. And now I'm just eating whatever I want. <laughs> ah, you're, you're training enough lads. You'd be grand. Yeah. I think that the diet and cycling is really important. Like you shouldn't be too focused on that for sure. I, I learned that the hard way. <laughs> it's very much kind of you have like, to cycling is like one of those pure sports and the fact you have to just listen to your body even when if your body is saying you're hungry eat like yeah for sure like you hear all them stories about Andre Greipel and the big sprinters they would do like five hour rides and they'd come back in a bottle of fizzy water and they'd go to sleep definitely not helping anything if you're hungry you eat if you're if you're snackish you take a snack it's like you have so much other <laughs> things to focus on with training everything for sure you shouldn't be focused on your diet i like to think with cycling coming into the modern day and with a lot of sports science and things too that you know even the simple even the simple basics are just being harped home with the science backing it rather than the old school mentality you know yeah exactly i think like i think every year training is going to change diet's going to change bikes are going to change like i think i think i think when we're 35 we'll be riding bikes that we never would have thought would be invented you know training is going to be completely different i think as well training side of things really interests me like i really enjoy learning about the science side of training you know something i do in my spare time it's really interesting it's nice to see though you take an interest in your training then too and you understand then why you're doing each session and I suppose then you can get the most out of yourself i think that's really important as well like speaking to your coach and asking them like yeah like, i'm the sort of person that would be really close to my coach and ask them what's this training going towards and what's coming up in the next few weeks and I tell him how I feel so he knows to adapt my training and stuff yeah for sure it's really important to be one-on-one with your coach also so what's been the career highlight uh oh that's a hard one the Irish championships or the nation's cup in Germany uh Starland Starland I think Starland for sure actually it was my first ever nation's cup and I just didn't know what to expect and then they went into the Queen stage. Uh, me and Archie were up in GC. Uh, I think we were top 20, both of us. And then it was the, it was a brutal hard stage. It had like 2,000, more than 2,000 metres of climbing. And the break went really early on. I go with the early break. I think, okay, we're going to get caught at some point And it's going to be a big punishment. <laughs> but the like it, the group whittled down behind us a lot. The peloton got smaller and smaller. And then uh, I select group came across to us and all of a sudden there was only 12 people in the race i remember coming on to the final climb it was a hilltop finish and i just went full of gas from the bottom i gave it everything i had and i, I, I finished third in this stage which set me up for good overall i was sitting fourth overall in gc and then unfortunately we had a crash in the team time trial but back. But for sure germany was was definitely a career highlight like i sort of learned there that cycling's what I want to do. It just was a kind of a reckoning moment of, you know, I can do this and the self-belief. Yeah, exactly. I was saying myself, besides people, it's like one of the top UCI races and crazy. It was, I was in a bit of shock 
soccer as well while being there. I was like, oh, I actually have the legs to compete here. And then I came home with a lot of confidence to the Irish Championships and I managed to win the TT and got third in the road race. Good as well. I mean, yeah, I had a good rest of the year. It's amazing just to see that once you get that one result, all the self-doubt leading into it and training because cycling is just extremely mental when you're out on your own for four hours in the wind. And when you get that final result and just realise this is, you can do it. I'd say it's just, there's exactly. no better feeling. Exactly. Like before I put, put so much work into my training, like I had that race in mind and then like the mo- motivation was good coming into this and then the motivation after it, I just was sky high. I just wanted to go and give it everything every day in training. I was in it was a great race for the result and the afterwards as well. It's great to hear and hopefully it'll keep you well it'll keep you well motivated going on. So we're gonna finish up now with some quick fire questions. So uh, question one okay. <laughs> black or white shoes? White, always white. white shoes and white socks. Any pink socks in the arsenal? <laughs> that's a, such, a, such a youth thing, wasn't it? You get the, the pink Giro socks. <laughs> oh just AliExpress, pink Giro socks are just, you know Yeah, the AliExpress ones like they last a week and then they'll last to go. <laughs> After three washes, they become ankle socks. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I can I can name a few. <laughs> not a not a blue shoes fan. Would you Would you ever consider the blue Shimano shoes? Ah, uh, well, it depends on the kit, you know. I I would wear blue shoes. Like uh, when the hell was this from with Ribble? Last year, the kit was blue, and I, I did consider it. But nah, I think I'm gonna stick to white hmm. for sure. White and then. If, Black is not a vibe. I, I have a pair of black yeah. shoes at the moment, so um, I, won't, I won't take that to heart. <laughs> sorry, sorry. Hmm. Uh, sorry. Next question, so, uh, favourite race? We'll say one to watch and one to ride. One to watch. Uh, oh, this is supposed to be quick, isn't it? <laughs> uh, I'd say Giro. Yeah, I like Giro. And then one to ride would be the Irish Championship. Good answer. Next one. Yeah. Three people, dead or alive, you would have for dinner. Ah, okay, okay. Uh oh man. Uh Cor McGregor. I'd like to have a chat with Cor McGregor. It's not a bad way. I don't I don't want to fight for anything. <laughs> just have a just have a round for for a bit of dinner. Uh who else? You're really put on the spot. Uh McGregor, uh oh man, I don't know. So Sagan. I would like Sagan over for dinner. Uh Lewis Hamilton. McGregor, Lewis Hamilton and again the stories that would be at that dinner table I'd love to be a fly on the wall uh, <laughs> it'd be a very mixed topic wouldn't it <laughs> next question strawberries or raspberries strawberries all day team raspberries has fallen behind at the present moment oh yeah uh, are, you, are, you, are you a fan of raspberries oh lad I, I love them I ate about half a punnet today oh uh, yeah uh, well, I, 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 I'd eat them but if I saw strawberries I'd take the strawberries nah ra- raspberries all day any day uh, <laughs> next question favourite quote uh, it's not about how hard you hit it's about how hard you can get hit it's uh, from R- the famous movie Rocky Balboa I don't know if you've watched but his coach Mickey yeah when he's in the train he's like it ain't about how hard you hit <laughs> it's about how hard you can get hit and then yeah, that gets me going get that on the top tube of your bike yeah exactly I used to have one on my uh, steer cap it was like Never quit or something. I think my mum got it for me. It was some good to look down at. Oh, just when like you're eating it up a climb and then you stare down. Some yeah. power visualization. Yeah, it was good to look at. <laughs> Sport you would do if you couldn't do this one. Can it be a different discipline in cycling? Uh, for the purposes of this podcast, no. Oh, okay, okay. If it was, it would be enduro. But I would like to swim, but I don't swim very fast. But it looks, it looks fun. To swim, you know, in the in the race, like the way they like jump in the water and they swim as <laughs> as fast as they can. But 
I watch it a lot, but I don't swim too good. So yeah, I'd say swimming. Yeah, you can always convert over, like you know, if the cycling career ever fails, just hop it, jump yeah, into the sea. I just need more of an upper body, I think. As I have the legs, but maybe not the arms. All you see is just a load of splashes coming towards you. <laughs> Someone's floating in the water. <laughs> oh. Next question: What color should bar tape be? Uh, we, we we talked about this last week, actually. Uh, for me, always black. Anyway, but maybe in the summer, you know, like June, July, August, you could probably pull off some white if you have a mechanic every day changing it for you, of course. But you, you know, you know yourself, white bar tape maybe last three days. <laughs> oh, like and then you're sitting with with with, with toothpaste and a toothbrush trying to get it clean again. <laughs> I've ne- I've never tried that because I've never had white bar tape. Ah uh, yeah yeah no I had it as a youth and like w- when you'd like say your chain came off or something and during a ride you'd have to put it on your hands and then touch the bar tape again and then all night you'd be up scrubbing it with a toothbrush and toothpaste. <laughs> your dad would run after you with because you used a toothbrush. <laughs> you wouldn't be brushing your teeth after anyway, like um, <laughs> cleaning bar tape. <laughs> Don't be asking my dad anyway. Next question: uh, favorite ride? Uh, I I lived in. Since here in Nevada, five months, probably my favorite place to ride, for sure. Uh, a lot of nice loops out there. There's a town called Trevelles. It's like a 35k long climb, and then one hour descending almost. It's so nice. Back down to the Valley Road, takes you right back into place place where I stay. But for sure, it would definitely be out here in Nevada. I love out there. It's great. Fair enough. Final question. Favorite pro? I'm going to say Bernal. I like Bernal. Yeah, he's good rider. Like, you saw in, on Strade Bianchi. He can, he can do everything, really. And, oh, wait, no, I changed to Wood Van Art. Sorry, I changed to Wood Van Art. Bernal, it's between Bernal and Wood Van Art. I'm going to say Wood, for sure. Because uh, at the minute, he's on fire. Well, yeah, like he can do everything. Sprint, climb, time trial, everything. It's insane. That wraps up the podcast, lad. So um, this is the section where I ask if you have any shout-outs. Do you want to shout-out your social media handle or, you know, any teams or sponsors? Yeah. Now is the time to do so. If you if you find me interesting, give me a follow on Instagram, Kevin McSee one three six, and yeah, big thanks to Exemplar Advance for all the support this year. And yeah, there hopefully plenty more results to come. Don't forget to check out his blog as well, lads. Kevin McCambridge, thanks for coming on the podcast. Thank you very much. And like that, another podcast finished. Big thanks to Kevin McCambridge for coming on. His Instagram will be linked in the description below. Please give him a follow. If you want to follow me, my Instagram is also linked below. It's at Coley the Cyclist. You can follow me there for just my daily antics, but also I put up polls there. You can contribute to the podcast with feedback, message me with any suggestions. If you enjoyed the podcast, please message me. You know, that's just great. If you really enjoyed this podcast, I'd really, really appreciate a share, lads. It just gets it out there. It gets me to reach more people, and then hopefully I can get more high-profile guests in the future. Thanks for listening again, and I'll catch you at the next one.